Dear Father, we thank you for revealing to us the, your will for our salvation, your work of grace, and your grace to us. We pray that you would teach us and instruct us that we might remember uh, your grace and goodness and rest upon it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today we come to chapter 12 of the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 12, which is on adoption, and it's a relatively short chapter, it's one paragraph long, Uh, this is on page 855 if you're looking in the hymnal. Last week we looked at justification, Uh, we're looking at the the benefits which we have in Christ, those who are effectually called, um, those who have been brought into union with Christ, uh, are therefore recipients of uh, the benefits that he has purchased for us by his death and resurrection. Uh, Last, well, two weeks ago, we looked at justification, whereby uh, we are declared righteous, our sins are forgiven, we're accepted as righteous in God's sight. Uh, that there's no condemnation for us, but rather uh, we are justified. And that is something we have because we share the righteousness of Christ. Uh, but here we go another step, you know, even beyond that, um, that not only are uh, believers declared righteous, you know, as, as by a judge, but also then adopted uh, by that judge so that God is not only uh, a right uh, judge who is pleased with us, but is even our Father. Uh, so let's go ahead and read, or I'll go ahead and read this paragraph of adoption. All those that are justified, God vouchsafeth in and for his only Son, Jesus Christ, to make partakers of the grace of adoption, by which they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God, have his name put upon them, receive the adoption, sorry, the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, are enabled to cry, Abba, Father, are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened by him, as by a father, yet never cast off, but sealed to the day of redemption, and inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation." Let's begin with that uh, first part of this answer. All those that are justified, God vouchsafeth in and for his only Son, Jesus Christ, to make partakers of the grace of adoption. Uh, Adoption is a grace. It is something that uh, we do not have by nature, adoption as God's children, uh, but it is something that we are given as a gift given in Christ. In John 1, 12 through 13, it says, But to all who did receive him, speaking of Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Uh, here, being uh, children of God is described as a, as a right Uh, that he gave the authority, the right to become uh, children of God. And who gave us this right, this status? Um, That is 
uh, Jesus to all those who believed in him, to all those who received him. Uh, and so is, this is not something that's true of uh, all people everywhere. Uh, this is true of those who uh, receive the Lord Jesus Christ and in him are adopted by God. Notice it says, for his only son, Jesus Christ. In one sense, uh, Jesus is the only son. He's the only begotten son of God, uh, begotten of his father from eternity, uh, that uh, he is uh, the uh, only begotten son. But it's by virtue of union with him uh, that we become co-heirs with him, that we are adopted, that he calls us brothers and uh, receives us, and the father receives us as his adopted children by grace. And so when the Bible speaks of us becoming God's children and this uh, grace that he shows us, it does not refer to the universal fatherhood of God and brotherhood of man. Uh, This was kind of a a liberal motif, probably more popular in the earlier 20th century, but still is uh, passed around today, the idea that we're all children of God, that God is the father of, of all, and Jesus really just showed us what it really meant to be a child of God, and we all need to realize this and, and uh, just kind of imitate him. Now, there is a sense in which God is the father of all as creator. Um, there might be, you know, two or three verses that kind of speak that way, that we are all his offspring. Um, but fallen man... Uh, is more like a prodigal son who has been disinherited. Uh, It's true, God is created, but we didn't stay in the estate in which we were created. Uh, Man has rebelled against God, has uh, forsaken him, and has become his uh, enemy, and is under judgment. And so, that's not the usual sense in which the language of fatherhood is used. In Scripture, when speaking of God as our father, or us as his children, is usually referring to um, the, the redeemed and his, this grace of adoption by which we who had run off, who had been disinherited, who uh, had become his enemies, are adopted as his children, as his heirs by grace through Jesus Christ. Now, the basic definition of adoption is kind of found in the next phrase of the confession. Um, by which they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God. Uh, this is very similar to the, the catechism answer, uh, which is on the coloring pages that the children have. Uh, Alfred, do you want to read what the, the catechism answer is there? Alfred. Alfred. Do you want to read the catechism? You don't want it. Thomas, can you read what he has there? Adoption is an act of God's free grace whereby we are received into the number and have a right to all the privileges of the sons of God. Right. Very good. And so very similar to this phrase from the confession, although it adds the idea that it's an act similar to justification, uh, just as today, if you, you know, if someone is to adopt a child, it's, it's a, a legal act and they receive a new status. Uh, there's a, 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 a a judge in, involved, that there's um, an act involved, and that's uh, true with our adoption by God, that it's an act, a pronouncement, and by which we're taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the sons of God. Um, 
One of the key passages about this is in Galatians, the end of chapter 3 and beginning of chapter 4. Um, I'll go ahead and begin in verse 25. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under, under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ to put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father! So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Um, and so it describes here how, again, we're adopted through his son, uh, who, who redeemed us that we might be adopted. Uh, it does contrast somewhat the Old and New Testament, that the Old Covenant was like being under guardians and managers, being like a children of God, but under age, much like... Um, uh, a slave in some respects, but when one comes of age, one becomes a you know an heir, inherits, and um, the the Gentiles were 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 more like slaves and enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, uh, but they were uh, adopted here in in Christ and received the Spirit of His Son, crying Abba, Father. Um, and so it's an inclusion into the number enjoying the liberties and privileges, becoming heirs of God, those who can approach God with confidence, uh, who are part of his household and have that status. Uh, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Now, as part of what this liberties and privileges is, the confession of faith goes on to describe several things. Uh, first of all, they have his name put upon them. Uh, a child of, of his father uh, bears his name and uh, has that uh, status. And that's a, a privilege. Uh, it's also a responsibility. Uh, but God puts his name upon his people. When the priests were told to bless the people, it was said, by this, in this way, you put God's name upon the people. Of course, we're baptized into the name of, of the triune God. Uh, but we are, are his children, we are called his children, uh, he is our father, and so we have this family identity uh, that we are his. His name is put upon us. But also, it says, by which they receive the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, and are enabled to cry, Abba, Father. And so, along with this act, uh, there is a gift of the spirit uh, the spirit of adoption that goes with this act that enables us to uh, have this uh, spirit of children, that we are enabled to uh, therefore uh, come to our Father as those who trust in Him, uh, who uh, can confide in Him, 
uh, who call out to him, Abba. Now, Abba is an Aramaic word for father. So, Abba, father, is like saying father, father. But it's in two different languages. And uh, it's probably a, a, the fact that this was uh, what Christians said even before things were translated into Greek. It's the uh, word probably that Jesus used to speak to his father. And Christians spoke of their father. And so, similar to Maranatha and a few other Aramaic words that would uh, be passed on how we use hallelujah, even though that's a you know, Hebrew word, uh, would continue to be used as kind of an essential word, but of course also is translated father. Uh, but we cry out uh, to our God, uh, calling upon him as our father. We have access to the throne of grace with boldness. You know, a child is able to approach his father much more freely than uh, a stranger. Uh, he is able to, uh, to come in in fact, uh, Charles Hodge, who was a Presbyterian theologian in the 19, or 1800s, uh, had a practice where he, he had always let his, his children come into his study to ask them a question, because he said, my, my father, my heavenly father, uh, allows me to, to approach him with, with boldness, and I want to show the same thing to, to my children. But father... Our Heavenly Father is, of course, also omnipresent and all-powerful and is able to hear us when we call upon Him, that He is good, and encourages us uh, to do so. Um, Romans also speaks of this, Romans 8, <clears throat> Romans eight fourteen through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So we did not receive the spirit of slavery, uh, of this servile fear that would cause us to, uh, to uh, cower, to hide, uh, to be man-pleasers or, or you know, merely doing eye service, but rather we have uh, received the spirit of adoption, uh, which causes us to approach him with, with confidence and boldness, giving us also... Uh, assurance. And we'll talk more about assurance on the chapter on assurance, but it's the spirit that builds up this sense of assurance, um, sometimes in some more than others, but uh, that gives us this assurance of being God's children that we might call upon him uh, freely. And this liberty is expanded in the new covenant with a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the church, as I said, having come of age uh, in a sense. But not only do they have the spirit of adoption, um, but they, by this adoption, they are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened by him as by a father. That's quite the combination of things, right? Pitied, protected, provided for, chastened by uh, him, by God, as by a father. There's uh, several passages of scripture that describe uh, God being like a father. Can anyone think of any passage of scripture that describes God doing something or being in some way like a father? Psalm 103. Psalm 103. What does Psalm 103 say? 
right, pities us or has compassion. In, in the ESV, it's as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. So yes, like a father, he has compassion. Uh, he shows pity. He, he sees the, our weakness. He, as it goes on to say, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And so he has compassion upon us to be kind to us, to care for us. Um, so he has the compassion of a father uh, for his children. Can anyone think of another? Yes, yeah. I mean, that, that passage doesn't say like a father, but it is like a father, that, that he provides for us like a father. Right. And uh, go ahead. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, right. What does Hebrews 12 say? Right, right. And so that's on the chastened by him as a father. Uh, Hebrews 12, which also then quotes Proverbs, which brings up this point as well. Um, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Uh, And then goes on to kind of build on that analogy that God is treating you as sons. Um, An illegitimate child that's not going to inherit anything wouldn't receive the same attention and, and discipline of the father, but, you know, a father is going to treat his, his sons uh, with care, and that care involves discipline, and God disciplines us. It doesn't seem pleasant for the moment, but it's for our good and the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so, do not grow weary uh, under this discipline, but it's uh, something that is actually a privilege, one of those privileges of the sons of God, that God doesn't just let us go our own way. Uh, that would be bad, right? He just left us uh, without any training, let us grow soft and floppy and undisciplined and uh, untried. You know, sometimes he gives people over to their own ways uh, as, as a judgment, but not his children. You know, he, he, he uh, disciplines them, he corrects them, he trains them, uh, and that's a privilege that we have from the Father. Uh, and that's also something that's brought up in the Davidic covenant, and particularly as we see God reveal more fully his grace for his people, it's in the Davidic covenant that we have this note of, you know, he shall be to me a son and I shall be to him as a father. And when he goes astray, I'll discipline him, but my love will not depart from him uh, as an image of a father and son and uh, displayed in that context. Um, On the note of being provided for, we have uh, Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Jesus refers to our Father who is in heaven um, throughout the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, in chapter 5, it speaks of how we are supposed to imitate and reflect our Father, right? Um, Blessed are the pure in heart, or sorry, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And later on, at the end of that chapter... Um, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven. You know, basically because he does the same thing. Uh, He loves his enemies, so you should love your enemies because you're children of God. You should imitate your Father. Right, right. And so in in Luke's version, be, be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. So it's this reflecting him as our Father. 
And then in chapter 6 and 7 of Matthew, uh, we're supposed to pray to our Father and not be anxious about what we're going to wear and drink and for the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Uh, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So we're not orphans in this world. Uh, The Gentiles have you know, are kind of, you know, non-Christians are kind of out on their own. They worry about these things. But you have a Father who's in heaven, who cares for you. So need not to be anxious about these things. He's the same one that clothes the grass of the field and cares for the birds of the heavens. And in chapter 7, it says, For anyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, We'll give him a serpent. If Alfred, if you ask me for uh, uh, bread, am I going to give you stone? Or am I going to give you a serpent if you ask me for a fish? No, no. Who, who would do that? If then you who are evil, you know, <laughs> we're, we're evil. We're, we're, we're not good. You know, earthly fathers are um, evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him. So here it's like God is like a father and all the, you know, and even more, even better. He's the perfect father. Uh, If even earthly fathers uh, show this trait, which is good, how much more our father who is in heaven. And that's probably the case for most of these comparisons. He has compassion like a father, like a father characteristically has or should have, that even earthly fathers have to some degree, but God perfectly so. Um, same with the discipline. Uh, you know, we fathers don't discipline perfectly, and yet we respect them. How much more the Father uh, in heaven, who who is wise and perfect and just? Um, we're also protected by God as a father. When Moses approached Pharaoh, uh, God told him to let my people go, because Israel is my firstborn son. If you don't let him go, then I'll kill your firstborn son. Uh, but, you know, don't touch my child. Don't touch my son. Uh, this shows this care for, of God for his children, that he will protect them, uh, that uh, he will deal with those who harm his children, just like a father would be protective uh, of his children. <clears throat> uh, Malachi speaks of God sparing us as a man spares his, child, his uh, children who serve him, similar to compassion. Uh, he forgives us. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. So he, we have this care by God as our Father, and then also never being cast off, sealed to the day of redemption, inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation. And that's Uh, A keynote with the doctrine of adoption, that we have this present care by him, but we also are made heirs of him. And in the ancient world, that was probably one of the most important aspects of adoption, as it was practiced uh, in the world. You could think of someone like Julius Caesar, who adopted, I think it was his nephew, Octavian, so that Octavian then became uh, emperor after him. He he became his heir. Um, that usually adoption happened with you know older people as someone decided realized he didn't have children and so he would adopt someone else to be his heir. Uh, that's one reason why Scripture sometimes calls us children of God, sometimes calls us sons of God in particular 
to emphasize the note of inheritance, because in, in the Bible and in the ancient world, uh, the, the sons were those who uh, were heirs, um, and that is true of every believer, whether you're a woman or a man, you know, male or female, slave or free, we're all heirs uh, of God, and so in that sense, sons. Uh, and so as Romans 8 says, to return to verse 17, <clears throat> um, that we are and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And so we inherit with Christ. What he inherited for us, we share as his brethren. He's the, the older brother, uh, but we receive with him this inheritance. Uh, what is the inheritance? Uh, it's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, it is eternal glory. Uh, it is an inheritance that moth and rust cannot destroy, uh, that's laid up for us. We already have the guarantee of it in the Holy Spirit, that beginning of glory that we possess even now. Uh, but that's kind of the down payment on the glory to come, uh, the greater glory to come to those who belong to Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. So glory, glorification is, is a, a later step, but it comes to those who have been adopted. Uh, any questions about the doctrine of adoption? Obviously, we are adopted not because we proved over the years to be dependable uh, heirs that uh, God saw the merit in us and decided to give us this status. That's often the way it worked in the ancient world, but that's not the case with us. We were his enemies, and as an act of grace, he uh, adopts us who were unworthy of this status and raised us up with Christ to give us great uh, exaltation and to make us members of his household. And then, you know, not as a basis for that, but we do learn then to more and more reflect our Heavenly Father as he cares for us as a father and conforms us to the image of his Son uh, as the firstborn among many brethren. So, 1 John uh, 3, verse 1, uh, gives us a good way to meditate upon this fact. He says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. See what kind of love, what manner of love, uh, that would cause the Father. Notice it is the Father, that person of the Trinity, particularly, who we relate to as our Father, who does this act of adoption of us, that, that uh, he has given this to us. Of course, it's through Christ, and he gives us the right by union with Christ, uh, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Beloved, we are God's children now. And so this is true of us. And so the Father is our Father. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he says, I'm going to go to my father and your father. Uh, we share the same father. So that's why he calls us brethren. That means the son is our, our brother, our, our older brother. Uh, he does not, is not ashamed to call us his brothers. That means each other, the saints, are also brothers, uh, that, or brothers and sisters, that we are uh, siblings in the household of God. Uh, you don't get to choose your siblings, 
uh, whether you know they're born in your family or adopted by your father, uh, they are your siblings, and you learn to uh, live with them and to love them, and you're bound to them. You have obligations to them, and that's true with the household of God, which is the church, the household of God, the family of God. And uh, we bow our knees before the Father. Uh, the whole family being named after him, whether in heaven or on earth. And uh, so we uh, grow together as a family, show brotherly affection uh, to one another uh, as a way we love our Father by caring for each other, uh, and we uh, care for each other as we join together in the worship and honor of our Father. Next week we'll look at the chapter on sanctification, uh, which is then a work uh, by which we are renewed more and more after the image of God, which is, of course, related to this doctrine of adoption, that we uh, obey him as children who already have this status, who are not trying to earn our place before God, uh, who don't seek rewards like someone would buy them at a store, but rather in the way that, you know, you serve your father, you honor them, and your your father gives good gifts uh, and uh, gives those freely. And so we serve him in this way uh, as as children, their father, seeking to imitate him and uh, to grow in conformity to him because he is good and we are his children. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Father, we thank you for allowing us to call you that, uh, that you have demonstrated your care for us, that you uh, love us and protect us, and have laid up for us a good inheritance uh, which is everlasting with you. We pray that you would uh, grant us an assurance of this love that we might freely call upon you, that you would care for us and provide for our needs which you know, our clothing and food and shelter and the greater blessings of sanctification and protection from evil. We pray that you would bless your household and order it to your glory, that you would care for us, your children, and conform us to your image. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.